welcome to the very first episode of Informed and Inflamed, where we seek to inform our minds with truth in order to inflame our hearts with love for God and neighbor. I'm Brad Owens, and I'm so glad you're joining us for this first episode. The plan for this first episode of Informed and Inflamed is devotional in nature. I've got all kinds of ideas for this podcast, ranging from addressing cultural issues in light of scripture, book reviews, and a lot more. But like the title suggests, I want these episodes to stir up in us a deeper love for Jesus and to fuel us with spiritual energy and desire to walk in deep companionship with the Lord and in faithfulness to His Word. So what I've got planned for this first episode is a brief devotional walk through Psalm 1. This psalm is a short but beautiful song that was used for corporate worship in Israel in the Old Testament. So first I'm going to read it, and then we'll try to unearth some of the wonderful things, as Psalm 119 verse 18 says, that God has for us in this psalm. So Psalm 1 says this, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So the heart of this psalm is about the difference between a righteous person, not a morally perfect person, but someone who trusts in the promises of God for salvation and is seeking to live faithfully before God in every area of life. So this psalm is about the difference between a righteous person and a wicked person, which is who we would all be apart from Christ. But the big truth we are meant to see in this psalm is that there is an earthly and eternal distinction between a person who loves and obeys God and one who does not. An earthly and eternal distinction. That's the big idea of Psalm 1. And we can break that big idea down into several smaller pieces. But before we do that, let's first consider the significance of the big idea for a few moments. The creativity of God is put on display in the glorious diversity of mankind. Think about it. No two human beings are exactly alike. Even identical twins are not perfectly identical. And once you look beneath the surface, the diversity of humanity reaches another level when you get into the personalities of different people. Identical twins may look very similar, but their personalities and preferences can diverge in remarkable ways. One twin enjoys olives. The other may hate them. Every person is unique. different from all others, and yet the Bible teaches us that there is one distinguishing line that separates all humanity 
into one of two groups. Every human being falls on one side of this defining line. On one side of the line are all those who have placed their trust in Jesus Christ. And on the other side of the line are those who have not. And the term Psalm 1 uses to show this distinction is the righteous and the wicked. Every single person falls into one of those two categories. When we stand before the Lord one day, we will either be found in sin or under grace. All of us are sinners and rebels against God and therefore deserve to stand in a place of condemnation before God. If God were to condemn us and exile us from his presence for all eternity, we could say nothing. That is precisely what our sins deserve. So because of our sinfulness, we all begin in the in sin category, but we have the glorious opportunity to step over the line and enter into the under grace category. We can move from a place of condemnation to a place of celebration and welcome. The only way to step over that line, moving from in sin to under grace, is by embracing Christ as your only hope of right standing before God. Because Jesus lived the perfect life of perpetual and perfect obedience that you and I fail to live every single day, His record of spotless obedience can be given to us as if we had been the ones to actually live it out. Jesus also stepped in front of us to absorb the blow of God's righteous wrath against us. And He did this so that God's wrath might never touch us. Christ steps into the gap between us and the Father to shield us from the oncoming wrath that is a result of God's holiness. He has absorbed it in himself and exhausted it fully. So if we have come to Christ for salvation, this is the double blessing we have received. We've been given a record of perfect righteousness as if it were truly ours. And God's wrath has been removed from hanging over our heads. John 3 verse 36 says, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. In Christ, we move from a place of wrath to a place of welcome with the Father. Don't misunderstand. It's not that the Father didn't love us or didn't welcome us into his presence, but unless sin was dealt with in a righteous way, not just swept under the cosmic rug as if it had never happened, our sinful selves could not stand in the presence of the holy God. His holiness is good, but because we are bad in our sin, it is dangerous to us. So we dare not come close without the righteousness of Christ covering us. So all people find themselves in one of these two spots, either in sin or under grace, in Christ or without Christ. And where we stand makes all the difference. This is the ultimate distinction between human beings, where they stand in relation to Christ. There's one other category that can seem to, to blur the distinction between those in Christ and those outside of Christ. And that is the category of what we could call the unsaved Christian. 
Dean and Sarah. He's a pastor down in Tallahassee, Florida. He wrote a book called The Unsaved Christian. In this book, he does a wonderful job describing this dangerous reality that there are people who outwardly claim to be Christians, but inwardly have not had their hearts changed and transformed by the gospel of God's grace found in Christ. This category is one we need to keep in mind because there are so many people who fall into this category, and I was one of them for a number of years. Being an unsaved Christian is part of my story, and I'm so glad the Lord opened my eyes to see my true position before Him in sin so that I might embrace Christ and cross over into the under grace category. Proverbs 30 verse 12 is a verse that clearly gets at this problem. It says, There are those who are clean in their own eyes, but are not washed of their filth. They are dirty and yet deceived. That's what an unsaved Christian is. 1 John is another wonderful place in Scripture that deals with this. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 4, it says, Whoever says, I know him, meaning I know God, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. The Bible is clear that this category of people exists, and it points it out so that people's eyes might be opened to see their true spiritual condition and find salvation in Christ. And Psalm 1 does not include this third category of the unsaved Christian because it seeks to paint a stark contrast between those who walk with the Lord and those who do not. Psalm 1 sticks with the ultimate distinction between all people. There are those in sin and there are those under grace. And now let's take a look at the breakdown of Psalm 1 and how it develops this distinction between the righteous and the wicked. Psalm 1 draws a sharp distinction between the righteous and the wicked by pointing out three realities. And those three realities are these. Number one, they walk along different paths. Number two, they have different priorities. And number three, they experience different outcomes. So let's just walk through these. Number one, they walk along different paths. So we see this at the beginning of the psalm. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way or the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. So here, from the very first verse of the psalm, we see that one thing that distinguishes the righteous from the wicked is the path that they take. The person who is blessed by God does not walk down the same path that the ungodly person walks along. Instead, a different path is taken, the path of obedience. The ungodly walk along the path of disobedience to God's law And there's camaraderie and companionship in disobedience and in selfish living. Verse 1 explains the progression of ungodliness that a person experiences as one walks down the path of disobedience. At first, it begins with seeking and taking.
taking advice from those who do not point us in the direction of obedience to God. Then we stand and linger along the way of sinners. And before we know it, we are sitting down in the seat of scoffers. To sit down with them is to be a part of their company, to experience a sense of belonging with them. These are dangers we all need to be aware of constantly. When we're in need of advice with a difficult decision or a frustrating relationship, it can be tempting to reach out to people who we know may not give us the godliest advice, but they'll allow us to vent and tell us what we want to hear in our frustration. We need God's grace, however, to help us seek out godly advice from those who will remind us of the gospel and point out the way of obedience and faithfulness to God. But listening to foolish advice is an ever-present tendency in our hearts that we must guard against. We must reject the path of disobedience because we know it leads to devastation in the end. And we trust that we trust God that His way is better. So we walk along the path of obedience for the sake of His glory and for the sake of our own good. Number two is that they have different priorities. Verse 2 reveals to us how the blessed man is able to withstand the pressures of wickedness, both those inside his own heart and those out there in the world. What gives him strength and determination to walk along the path of faithfulness is his love for God's Word. What allows him to withstand the pressures of the world is his pleasure in God's Word. God's law, His instruction given to us in Scripture, is comprehensive in scope. It speaks into every area of our lives. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. And the Lord has given us everything we need to be saved and to walk in faithfulness to Him in His Word. That's why we need it so badly. We would be so foolish to neglect or ignore such an incredible gift from God, which has been given to us for our salvation and for our growth in godliness. So the blessed man of Psalm 1, this representative silhouette of all those who embrace Christ throughout all history, walks down a different path because of a different priority. The priority of his life is aimed at understanding and obeying God's holy word. This stands in stark contrast to the priority of the wicked, which is man's autonomous wishes. That's the choice before before us each day as followers of Christ. Will we prioritize God's word and live in light of what God says? Or will we prioritize man's wishes, our own or those of our surrounding culture, and live in light of what man says? That's the question that tugs and pulls on our hearts every single day. We are either pulled in the direction of love and obedience because of our joy and delight in God's Word, or we are yanked in the direction of selfishness and disobedience because of our joy and delight in man's words. Our perspective on life will be profoundly shaped by which of these 
we give priority to in our hearts. So, which one has priority of influence in your heart? That should be a convicting question for all of us. Even if we expose ourselves daily to God's Word, all of us feel the need to understand it better and to live in light of it more fully. This is something important to realize, though. We can avoid exposure to God's Word, whether intentionally or unintentionally, but we cannot avoid exposure to man's words. The philosophy of man is all around us, and there's no way to escape the constant heart-shaping influences of our culture. We are being shaped moment by moment by worldly philosophies and perspectives as we live life. That is inevitable. But it's up to us if we are going to be exposed to God's Word. We must seek out the heart-shaping and character-transforming power of God's Word through, through prayer and personal reflection on God's Word. We join God's people for corporate worship on Sundays so that we are exposed to the preaching of God's Word and the fellowship of God's people. When trouble comes, we reach out to godly friends who will remind us of God's faithfulness and how we might glorify Him as we walk through difficult circumstances. Again, the question arises day by day, which one will we listen to? Which one will have priority in our hearts and minds, God's word or man's wishes? And lastly, the third point is that they experience different outcomes. As a result of embracing different priorities and walking down different paths, the godly and the ungodly experience different outcomes, both in this life and in the life to come. Verses 3 and 4 of Psalm 1 give us two contrasting images. One of a tree, which represents prosperity as a result of walking under God's blessing. And one of chaff, which represents calamity as a result of disregarding God's instruction. Verses 3 and 4 say, He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. The outcome of a person's faith and obedience is God's blessing, which none of us can earn or deserve, but that is nonetheless given to us as a gift. It delights God when our faith leads to a growing faithfulness in us. As we prioritize God's word, we begin aligning our lives in obedience to His Word more and more. And God blesses us as we do that. This doesn't mean that we'll be spared from hardship and heartache, but God will be with us even through the hard times, blessing the troubles so that even they work toward our sanctification. On the other hand, the outcome of a person's rejection of God, represented by the chaff that gets blown away, is to be swept away in judgment. You've probably heard the expression to separate the wheat from the chaff, which means to separate what is good from what is bad or useless. The idea is similar to picking the toppings that you don't like off your pizza. You want to take away what is distasteful to you so that you can enjoy your slice of pizza. It's the same idea here. When the time came to harvest the wheat, 
Farmers would thrust a pitchfork into a pile of wheat and throw it up into the air. If the wind was blowing, it would blow the chaff away from the wheat. You wanted to get rid of all the chaff, but hang on to the wheat. The chaff was worthless, but the wheat had value. Imagine you drop your sucker on the ground. You pick it up, notice a hair and a few small particles of dust on it. So you blow on it really hard a few times, and then you get back to enjoying your sucker. At least that's what I would do. But the contrasting images introduced in verses 3 and 4 continue to influence the rest of Psalm 1. Just as wheat has value to a farmer, and just as chaff is of no use to a farmer, so believers are precious in the eyes of the Lord, and all those who remain in their sin will be blown away. Now, we need to remember that if someone is chaff, which is the wicked in this psalm, they are in that position because they want to be. Anyone who stands condemned before God in the end will be there because they did not come to the Lord for forgiveness and grace. Also, chaff was blown away because it was useless and had no value to the farmer. But we're not to conclude from this that unbelievers have no value in God's eyes. That is certainly not true. Every human being, from those only a few days old in the womb of their mother to those only a few days away from death, every human being has value because they have been made by God. Every single person is made in God's image, made to resemble and reflect God's holy character. We are to be little replicas and visible reminders of God's goodness. And yet in our sin, we have turned away from this glorious purpose. Ezekiel 33 verse 11 says, Say to them, As surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that they would turn from their ways and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways. Why will you die, O people of Israel? 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 9 also says, The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise as some understand slowness. Instead, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So, when the chaff is blown away, it breaks God's heart. He loves His image bearers, and He wants them to find salvation in Christ. Yet the Bible is clear that some will persist in their sin, and they will experience the full outcome of rejecting God. Verses 5 and 6 of Psalm 1 say this, Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows or watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So the final judgment, of which we get little glimpses in historical judgments sprinkled throughout history, is when this final distinction between those who trust and love the Lord and those who do not, will be permanently drawn. The great line separating humanity will be drawn once and for all. On one side will be those in sin, and on the other side will be those under grace. Not because they deserve to be there, but because God has extended mercy to them. At the end of history, the words of Malachi 3 verse 18 will be experienced for the very last time. 
which says this, Then once more you shall see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not serve Him. The very first word of Psalm 1 is blessed, and the very last word is perish. These are the two ultimate outcomes. Either we perish in our sin, exiled from God's presence in hell for all eternity, or we experience blessing in its deepest sense. The ultimate blessing is to be brought back into relationship with the one we were always meant to know and love and enjoy. And that's the supreme blessing the gospel bestows on us. It brings us back to Him. 1 Peter 3.18 says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that He might bring us back to God. All the other blessings sprinkled on us throughout life here on earth are small in comparison to this. And yet God continues to shower us with so much more than we deserve. We don't deserve one bit of it, of course, but that's just who God is. One who enjoys pouring out His blessings and His very self on those who come to Him. What a blessing we have received in the gospel. So that is Psalm 1, which we said in the beginning was about the earthly and eternal distinction between God's people and the world. In the end, there will be an eternal distinction between those who embraced Christ and those who did not. And there's also to be an earthly distinction, an earthly difference in how we live our lives here and now. As we go about life, there should be things that set us apart, that make us different in the eyes of the world. And those things that make us different are meant to have this strange, attractive power in the lives of those who watch us. We live before a watching world. And may the difference they see in us be something that draws them to Jesus, not something that drives them away. Well, that's it for this first episode of Informed and Inflamed. Again, thank you so much for checking this out. I hope it has been a blessing to you. I hope your mind has been informed with the truths of Psalm 1. And may your heart be inflamed with a deeper love for God as you continue to ponder this beautiful portion of God's Word.